0: Today we're going to be starting a new series, and this series is called The Big Three. Can everybody say, The Big Three? And the next few weeks we're going to be talking about three of our greatest enemies in life and how we can overcome them. Um, That sound good? I think I could use some help on how to overcome these enemies in my life. How about you, right? So today I want to focus on the first enemy, and that is the enemy of self. E. The enemy of self. You know, Alexander the Great once said, I have seen the enemy, and the enemy is me. Ouch. You know, a lot of times in life, I think that we try to blame our problems on everyone else. You know, we look, um, to our boss or our coworkers and we think that, oh, they're, they're the problem, right? They're, they're the problem. Or, or you look to your kids or your spouse and you go like, it's their fault. Like they're the enemy, surely, right? And, and if we're really, really spiritual in the place, our favorite thing to do is just, you know, blame everything on the devil. Right. I mean, if there's anything crazy in my life, if there's anything going on, if I'm struggling, it's got to be the devil. Because the devil made me do it, right? The devil made me do it. And although I don't want to diminish the fact that sometimes people can be a problem. And I definitely don't want to downplay the, the truth that the devil is a strong adversary. And he is seeking to take us out. But I don't think that we can blame all of our problems on him. I don't think that we can blame all of our problems on other people. At some point, we have to take a good, hard look at ourselves in the mirror, and we have to realize, I have seen the enemy, and the enemy is me. In Proverbs nineteen three, it says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they are angry at the Lord. James 1.14 says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. You see, it's easy to want to blame our problems on somebody else, but scripture tells us pretty plainly right here that it's actually us. It's this flesh nature, this self that keeps getting in the way. That is our problem. And so today, I want us to look at three temptations of self, three temptations of self. And and there's a lot of temptations that we could have talked about, but we're just going to focus on these three today, and I want to focus on how we can overcome them. So I'm going to be drawing out these temptations from the story in Matthew 4 of when Jesus was tempted. So if you want to go there in your Bible, let's look at Matthew chapter four. It's also going to be up on the screens. Let's read it together. It's verse one through 11. It says this, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted and became very hungry during that time. The devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. So I want us to look first at this first temptation. You see, here's Jesus, right? He's been out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and and he's been fasting all of this time, and and he hasn't had anything to eat, and and here comes the devil. And he's like, you know, like, if you're hungry, like, why don't you just turn these stones into bread, right? Like, why don't you just get something to eat? Now... If you've ever been on the low-carb diet, you know that the temptation of bread is a very real thing, okay? Anybody ever ever been low-carb in it? Oh, what about keto? Anybody keto in the place? Okay, keto, people on keto, like, they want bread so bad that they actually, like, try to turn cauliflower into it. I mean, it, it, they're so desperate like that somehow they believe that like, cauliflower can somehow taste like pizza crust. And honestly, I, I think that, that that's pretty desperate at that point, right? Like, like so, so the temptation of bread it, is a real thing. And so, so scripture tells us here that Jesus, he's hungry, and so the enemy tries to tempt him with food. So number one in your notes this morning, the first temptation we see is a physical temptation. Now, in this scripture, it's using the example of Jesus being hungry and and being tempted with bread, but I think we can actually infer a little bit deeper here. I don't think it was just about food. You see, the physical temptation tries to make us do what feels right. The physical temptation tries to make us do what feels right. You see, Satan was telling Jesus, hey, you're hungry, like, why don't you just eat? I mean, you're hungry. and You'd feel so much better if you just, you know, made some bread and, and ate. Now, I mean, who cares if you're being obedient to the Father and you're fasting? You know, if you're really hungry, just eat a little something. Like, just do what feels right. The physical temptation tells us that if it feels right, it must be right. And that is a very slippery slope. It's a really slippery slope. In, in Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there is a way that seems right to man, but it ends in death. There, there's a way that seems right, it feels right, but, but it ends in death. You see, just because it seems right and just because it feels right doesn't mean it is right. Husbands or wives, that little flirtatious attention that you get from your coworker may make you feel good. It may, you know, kind of seem right because maybe you don't get that kind of attention at home, but that doesn't mean that it is right. You know, sometimes we wonder how addictions get such a stronghold in people's life, and and let's just be honest, it's it's because it feels good. It feels right. It's easy. It feels good to be able to self-medicate and and to numb the pain of this world. It feels good, but only for a season. You see, sin and temptation can taste sweet to our flesh and to our self-nature, but only for a season. How many of you have ever had ants in your house? Anybody? I mean, man, once you get them, they're just... They're so annoying, right? You know, they're, they're drawn. Ants are like drawn to sweetness. So when your toddler like spills their juice and maybe it just doesn't get cleaned up right away, it won't be too long. And man, those little ants, they're going to come in and invade. And, and it's just going to get, oh, it's just so annoying. They just take over. But thanks to the internet, there are some good things on the internet, Um, I've found that there's actually a way to get rid of those pesky little ants. And it it involves this. It's it's a mixture of borax, which is like a poison. And then you mix that with sugar and water, and you just kind of put it on a plate. You just kind of set it out there. And this serves as a a passive poison trap. And and the idea of this trap is that, that it uses what the ants are attracted to that, that sweetness, that sugar, it uses that against them. And so you don't really even have to do any work. Like you don't have to go and like stomp them out by hand. You just, you just leave this toxic little stew out for them and, and you just wait. Because the natural urge to consume that sweetness will ultimately lead to those ants' destruction. You see, the ants don't even realize that, that they're ingesting and being covered by this poison, by this borax, because they're, they're so busy enjoying this sugar rush for the moment that they don't even realize that that borax, that poison, is going to kill them. You see, the physical temptation of self works the same way. You know, th- this temptation just doesn't just come out and announce like, I want to destroy you. No. It hides itself in things that feel right. It hides itself in things that seem good at first. So, so how do we overcome that physical temptation that that we're just it's you know our self is just kind of pulled in this way that we just we want to just do what feels right. Well, when Jesus was tempted, this is how he responded. He said this. He said, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So so what was he saying here? I, I believe that he's saying that we don't live by what feels right. We don't make decisions off of our feelings Our feelings are temporary. Our feelings are fleeting. Our feelings will lie to us and they will lead us down a path of destruction. We have to live by what we know is right. That's what Jesus was saying here. He was saying, we must stand on the truth of God's word. That is our firm foundation and that is our greatest weapon to overcome physical temptations. We can't go by what feels right. We've got to stand on what we know is right. Stand on the truth of God's word. I have seen the enemy. The enemy is me. Number two this morning, the second temptation that we see here is an emotional temptation. An emotional temptation. I'm going to read verses five and six of our text. It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. This temptation of self was an emotional one. And an emotional temptation, this is what an emotional temptation, it it tries to make you question your identity and God's love for you. It tries to make you question your identity and it tries to make you question God's love for you. See, an emotional temptation will cause you to put question marks where God has put periods. You know, in the scripture, the devil tells Jesus, well, if you're the son of God, if, he he puts that emphasis on the, if you're the son of God, you can just jump off of here because if you're the son of God, if, if the Lord really loves you, he won't let anything bad happen to you. He'll come and save you. If, for our lives and for us, the temptation might sound something like this, like, are you really a child of God? Like does God really have your back? Does does God really love you? Like is he really for you? Are you sure? Can you really trust God with that part of your life? Really? Like like is God who he says he is? Are you sure? Like like Are you really who God says you are? That's what that emotional temptation may sound like for us. Anybody ever struggle with those kind of thoughts? The rest of you, you're just too spiritual. Maybe you need to come up and (laughs) do the message instead of me because I gotta tell you the truth. Like I have struggled with those types of thoughts and these thoughts that we have inside ourselves can be our own worst enemy. In fact, this struggle is nothing new. It actually started way back in the beginning with Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it tells the story, and and it says, "'The certain was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, "'Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden?' "'Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden,' the woman replied." It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. And if you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows as soon as you eat it, you will be like him knowing good and evil. You see, the temptation for Eve wasn't a physical one. I don't really think it had anything to do with how delicious that fruit might be. No, this temptation was emotional. The the lure of the temptation was actually found in what she thought that the fruit represented. That, That maybe God was withholding something good from her. Maybe her relationship with God and her identity in God was missing something. You know, the real issue and the real temptation came when she started to think thoughts that maybe God was holding out on them and maybe he couldn't be trusted. You see, when Eve was questioning within herself about who God was and and who she was in God, she was an easy target for the enemy. When she began to question those things in her mind, She was an easy target, and the same thing goes for us. When we begin to question God's love for us and our identity in Christ, we begin to self-sabotage, and we become an easy mark. You know, the enemy doesn't even have to take us out because we will take our own selves out. But here's the good news. We can overcome the emotional temptation of self. We can overcome it just like Jesus overcame this temptation. We can too. So, how do we do it? What do we do, Krista? How do we overcome this doubt and these questions and these things in our mind? You know, is it by reciting Bible verses by memory? Well, Memorizing scripture and quoting it is definitely a good place to start. I mean, we see Jesus respond here um, with, with scripture in this way, but, but I think if we dig just a little bit deeper, we will recognize that there was more to it than just the mere quoting of words. You see, the power to overcome this emotional temptation of self is not necessarily found in Matthew 4 during the temptation, but maybe that power is actually found at the end of Matthew 3, right before the temptation happened. Let's look at those verses right before Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted. Matthew chapter three, verses 16 and 17, it says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. You see, when temptation came to Jesus, scripture memory wasn't all he had to lean on. He also had a declaration of love and acceptance and approval that was given to him by God the Father. He had been given an identity, and we have been given the same thing. We have been given the same thing. In scripture, uh, it tells us over and over and over again how loved we are by God, how chosen we are, our identity that comes from him. Let me just read you a few examples this morning of what God says about us. In John 3, 1 and 2, it says, see what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. John 1, 12 says, but to all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become his children. John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. Romans 8, 1 says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Jesus. Colossians two thirteen and 14, you were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. And Galatians 4, 7 says, Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You see, Jesus found the power to overcome temptation, not by mustering up strength within himself, but actually by resting in God's word declared over him. He knew who he was, and he could not be swayed from it. After 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus was physically weak, but but what that shows us is this, is is that the power to overcome emotional temptation doesn't come from strength within. It comes from a word from above. It comes from his word and resting in what he says about it. You know, we can't just memorize scripture so that we're going to sound really spiritual and we can quote it. and, And please don't hear what I'm not saying today. I believe memorizing scripture and knowing the word is an important part of our walk with the Lord. But the power of scripture comes not just from memorizing it, but from actually believing it from actually believing what it says, embracing who God says he is and who he says you are. Our power comes from dwelling deeply in the identity that God has announced over us. As believers, we are united to Christ by faith. And here's the cool thing. Because we are united to Christ... The declaration that God declared over Jesus also becomes his declaration over you. This is my child, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. This is our source of power to overcome the emotional temptations of self. Our power comes from believing God's word about our identity believing who he says we are as his children and believing who he says he is as our father. We're talking about three temptations of self this morning. Number one, the physical temptation. It it tells you to just kinda do what feels right. Number two, the emotional temptation that, that tries to make you question your identity and question God's love for you. And then finally this morning, number three, the compromise temptation. Compromise temptation. and in, in verse 8, it says, Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. So why am I calling this the compromise temptation this morning? Well, you see, Jesus already had a right to all of those things. Like he had already been promised the kingdoms of the world. He was the Messiah. He was going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and and Satan was basically only offering him what God had already promised. But here's the catch. Satan was offering it minus the cross. And that's where the compromise comes in. You see, Satan was saying, you can have it all. And you can have it without the cross, without the suffering, without the wrath of God. I'll give it all to you if you just worship me. You see, the compromise temptation tries to make you do it your way instead of God's way tries to make you do it your way instead of God's way. You see, in ourselves, we are tempted to compromise. We're tempted to take a shortcut and get ahead of God's plan. We're tempted to compromise and, and take the easy way out. We're, we're tempted to compromise and, and take control of our own lives instead of submitting to the will of the Father. I have seen the enemy, the enemy is me. In myself, I am tempted to compromise because I want to be in control of my life. I want to do it my way, right away, at Burger King now. (laughs) I want to do it my way. I want to call the shots. But let's notice how Jesus shows us how to overcome this temptation of compromise. In verse 10, Jesus says, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So how did Jesus resist the temptation of compromise? By submitting and surrendering to the will of his father. He made the choice to keep God on the throne and to serve and worship only him. How will we overcome the temptation of compromise? By submitting and surrendering to the will of our father. We've got to submit and surrender to him. You know, there's a quote that says, whatever sits on the throne of your heart orders your life. Whatever sits on the throne of your heart will order your life. And, and you know what? It's time that we stop compromising and we take ourselves off of the throne of our hearts and we give God his rightful place so that he can have control and so that he can order our lives because his ways are so much better. His will, his way is so much better. You see, the power to overcome compromise comes only through true submission and surrender. We gotta get out of our own way and just let God have his way. We're talking about three temptations of self this morning. The physical temptation that just tells you to just do whatever feels right. The emotional temptation that makes us question our identity and, and question God's love for us. And then the compromise temptation that tries to get us to do it our own way instead of God's way. The takeaway for the message this morning is this the enemy of self is great. The enemy of self, it's big, it's great. But we can overcome it if we stand on the truth of God's word. If we embrace our identity in Christ. And if we will surrender to God's will. You want to overcome, you want to beat the enemy and defeat the enemy of self this morning. You can overcome it, you can do it. But first, you've got to stand on the truth of God's word. You've got to embrace your identity in Christ. And you have got to surrender to God's will.